Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. A tiny bit of context for you in this scripture. The uh, Jews have been deported. And the thing is this, they are scattered about, displaced in a land that is not their own. Their community is broken and it's in faraway places. They have no king. They have no land. They don't even have the religious focal point of the temple. They are exiled people and they have that air of defeat about them. So as he always does, God sends a man for the moment. And that's Ezekiel. God's man for God's time. The right man at the right time. And the key message that Ezekiel receives from God And the key word for us this morning is this. God will not leave our lives in a scattered state. God will not leave our lives in a scattered state. If we go forward a little bit into the New Testament, we see that Jesus says uh, at one point that a house divided against itself cannot stand and that's because anything that is split or fragmented or loses its foundation has no power to be upright. We see a little bit of that in the political situation in the world these days. The church is strongest when it's united and we see for example in Acts 2 the miraculous things happened because the Holy Spirit breathed and everyone was with one accord together. True life and health comes with unified holistic relationships, that is with people who are connected together. So I want to speak firstly about being a connected church and then delve deeper into what it means about being a connected individual before Christ. So connected church. 1 Corinthians as we read talks about the church as a body having many members, all different yet all united, cohesive, if you like. You know what it's like, you've been into churches that are not cohesive, and you sense, you sense something, you sense that I wouldn't want to worship here every day or every week of the year. You want, as a church, to be known and to be experiencing the Holy Spirit of God that brings us together, and God finds places for that to happen. And this is one of them. Even with our differences, we come together. Even with our diversity, we come together. You think of the analogy in the Bible. We can't all be the same part. We can't all be bladders, thank God. We can't all be kidneys, We can't all be arms or wrists. And a wrist is not connected to a wrist, is it? A wrist is connected to a hand. They can't function without each other, without the difference. And it's actually our differences that cause us to function correctly. And this means that nobody should feel out of place in the church. Amen? Nobody should feel out of place in the church. And it means that people need to know just where they fit because everybody fits somewhere. 
And that's why it's important for us to make relationships with people who are not like us. And this is one reason that God's kingdom will grow because we participate with this community and show that there is a place in the church where everyone belongs. Yeah? Am I talking sense? You think so, you're not sure, but there we go. There is a place in the church where everyone belongs. The body of Christ is blessed by every diverse, creative, and utterly unique individual, whoever they are, whatever their story, and we all have a story. And I think a lot of this vision that Ezekiel gives in chapter 37, I think it's to do with his story. And if you look carefully into scripture and you read about the story of Ezekiel you see for example in chapter 24 that his wife dies he loved her deeply they were a great couple I forget what what phrase the scripture uses she was beautiful in his eyes They, they were a wonderful team Mr and Mrs Ezekiel they were great and then you see in chapter 24 she passes away Suddenly, and God says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, don't you mourn. Don't you cry. Don't want any tears. Don't want any sign of bereavement. Don't want any sign of weakness here. Why would he say that harsh, horrible thing on the face of it? Well, now, if you look through all of Ezekiel, you see that pretty much every chapter there's something horrible. It's not a very nice book to read, if I'm honest. You look at the visions, there are a number of visions in Ezekiel. You've got the cooking pot, you've got the the bones, you've got uh, the river, you've got the temples. You've got a number of uh, prophecies here in Ezekiel. And they're all about what God is going to say to the people because the people are disobeying. The people are disobeying God. And when God tries to bring them back to himself, They stay disjointed, they stay disconnected, and they still do their own thing like they don't care. Like there is no remorse for sin. There is no sadness for what they're doing. God pleads with them to get on their knees and repent, and they won't. And they're doing all kind manner of things. You read about it in Ezekiel. They do all manner of things that are against God. The worship of Baal and all of those things that 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 results in. That's what these people of Israel are doing. So God says to Ezekiel, I don't want you to mourn for your wife, not because you shouldn't mourn, but because I want people to say to you, why aren't you mourning, Ezekiel? Why aren't you mourning your wife? That's what I want people to say to you. And then I want you to say to them, well, I'm not mourning my wife. You see me not mourning. That is what you are doing to God. You are not mourning your sin." You are going on as if you never sinned. You're going on as if there is nothing to grieve. You're walking on as if you are perfect, as if you are not a fallen people. This is the truth. And God wants to make it clear to the people of Israel that this sign of Ezekiel's wife dying is massive. And and the sign that he's not showing any sadness about it, that that is to be planted on the people of Israel to show them how vivid and how, how wrong it is uh, that, that they are not mourning their sin. 
And maybe also in 37, is this a desire for Ezekiel, from Ezekiel for his wife to rise again? For those bones to come together? And for them to be reunited? You see, when we talk about bones, we're talking about structure. Bones give you structure. And in any organization, in any family, you need some kind of strong foundation for that structure. Heaven's structural foundation is always seen at the cross of Christ. And we need that structure. The cross allows fluidity. That structure allows us freedom. Because the Holy Spirit breathes through everything that the cross of Christ stands for. This valley in which Ezekiel walked held bones that had, that had been hardened and bleached by a long time in the sun. Not just a few bones, not just the bones of a single person, not just the bones of a group of people, but the bones of an army. This was a fighting force once upon a time that believed they could win. It was an army that went into battle, did its best to survive, but was wiped out. It was scattered into bits and pieces. Let's pray that's not us. That's what attacks do. They scatter, they separate, they fracture, they reduce hope. Individuals become isolated, hurt, and abused. In 2019, you only need to look at the evils of human trafficking, modern slavery. It's people taking advantage of the poor and the vulnerable, splitting them up, disenfranchising them, selling them on to be used and abused for money. It separates human beings from justice, from dignity, and from a life that could actually become connected to influences for good. Victims are condemned to fracture and death. It's what we call out of order. And disorder fractures communities. Yet into those situations strides the integrated body of Christ with its message of all-inclusive love, declaring that Christ can make the broken person whole again. And look at that reading. Here it is that we read earlier, 1 Corinthians 24b to 26. So it begins with you and me as individuals. So let's look at what it means to be a connected individual. I'm aware that we have a number of people in this congregation who in the last six months have broken bones uh, and had uh, crutches. We've, well, I wrote them down. Ian and Jean and Denise and Jan recently and Evelyn and any others I've missed, I'm sorry for the role of honour there. Um, but uh, you know what it's like to break bones or fracture bones. You know what it's like to be um, sort of put back by that kind of thing. I used to have terrible trouble with my back, but praise God, since I've come to the Regent Hall, for some reason I don't know, it's all right. Hey, I used to have awful trouble. And I used to go regularly to a chiropractor. Anybody been to a chiropractor? Don't they kill you? I'm exhausted every time I come away. Lies you on your back and goes to your head. and Just, just gives it a nice little massage. You think, oh, this is lovely. Oh, this is nice. You're going backwards and forwards like that. And then he says, okay. <coughs> like that. And all the gases in your neck. It's not bones cracking. It's gases in your body that make the clicks. When you click your fingers, it's the gases, apparently, I was told. 
But what it does, what a chiropractor does, is straighten the skeleton. That's what his job is, or her job, is to straighten the skeleton so that these pains are um, reduced. It's painful at first, but you see, everything then becomes realigned. At its source, the word religion means to realign. You can see the similarity. Religion, to realign. By his Holy Spirit, God aligns us afresh with him, speaking into every situation that is seemingly dry or dead. And he tried with Ezekiel in those days to realign the people of Israel to his will and to his purpose. The old saying is true, Ezekiel sees bones, but God sees an army. You see, God has the power to make things become what they ought to be. So here's words of healing, I hope. You may feel that your strength is scattered, that parts of your life feel broken or fractured. But this word tells us that it is possible that God might work a miracle in your life. But if you have trouble believing that, join the club. It's a very big club. Uh, and its club president is a man with experience in this. His name is Ezekiel. And in chapter 37, verse 3, God says, Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And do you know what Ezekiel says? I don't know. He didn't say, yes, oh Lord, yeah, it's going to be great. He says, I don't know. Or he doesn't actually say, I don't know. Scripture actually says, you alone, Lord, know. He's not going to commit himself to his own mind of, of confirming that. Oh, sovereign Lord, he says, you alone know. There are those who have problems and issues that are so long-term that they have adapted and then accepted a lesser way of living. Christians could live so much more powerfully and effectively as whole people when resolving to be brave and consciously going deeper to ensure this realignment happens. It's about being in tune with the Holy Spirit. And like Ezekiel, we need to speak truth to those bones. What this means is we need to be able to face up and speak truth to the regrets, the stories, the events and the temptations. Speak truth to the hurts and the situations that are still there causing you to feel dead or dry inside. Be honest before God because he knows you anyway. And if you've been there, he says, don't go there again. If you've opened up an offer to the Lord, remember, you are forgiven. And scripture assures us that we have a God who will open up those dark places if you like, those personal graves that contain dead stuff, dead feelings, dead potential, dead relationships that need sparking into life. Those bones, the hurts, the regrets, those bones are blown away by the wind of God's Holy Spirit. This is what we call revival. In Ezekiel 37, God promises that Israel will be restored to blessing. It's a divine promise for now and for the future and demands us to speak truth to ourselves and to our issues. If you go away remembering nothing else about this morning, remember this line. It means 
that we live by the power of the breath and not the bones. Live by the power of the breath and not the bones. So finally, Ezekiel didn't just visualize part of the valley of dry bones coming alive and the rest remaining dry bones. They all lived. They all stood on their feet. An exceeding great army. And we say, Spirit of God, come and touch every one of us. Come and touch our core. Christ is our example. And his fractured, agonizing, broken body that was then revived, brought back to life by Holy Spirit breath, that is our focal point when we are wondering if we can believe this vision. Rejoice, rejoice, Christ is in you. The hope of glory in your heart. He lives, he lives, his breath is in you. Arise, a mighty army, we arise. Next week's Vision Sunday is going to be talking about moving forward. New things that we've all already talked about. Just going to be presenting that to you next week. And it is about this standing up, moving forward in a way that must connect with the diverse community in which we live and minister. So I pray that every heart and soul, every part of us that we feel is dead or dying might be responsive to this sacred breath and begin to live. God says, I will pour out my spirit in you and you will live. So the story of dry bones is about resurrected hopes. Finally, the big kingdom picture is that we are all resurrected, along with Ezekiel's wife. We are all resurrected before God. And that is our eternal hope as we participate in his kingdom today. Christ came not that we would have this life, but that we would have it more abundantly. So may Holy Spirit breath transform the scattered bones of our lives. May it be so for you today. Amen. Amen.